something that's for many people their favorite part about Christmas, and maybe your favorite part about Christmas, is coming up in about 20 minutes, and that's when the candlelight spreads through the whole sanctuary, and we're all holding our own candle. We turn the lights down, we turn the speakers off, and we just sing a few carols. Uh, Perhaps most serenely at the end, singing that heavenly peace, that serene hymn, Silent Night, together just to the light of candles. Uh, It is uh, a peaceful moment, a heavenly moment, right? You might even say, just like the hymn, heavenly peace, serenity. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons it's such a special and peaceful moment for us is because the path to get there is usually complete chaos, right? How many of you drove through the snow to get here just for starters, right? Slipped a little bit in the snow. And some of us two and three hours ago were looking at a pile of three-year-old's Christmas socks, none of which were matching and trying to figure out how a three-year-old could have so many holiday socks and none of them could be matching. Many of you are here from out of town and had to go through great adventure to get here. Others of you had guests come into town and you were doing much to get ready for them. In our home, we thought that it would be a good idea to take a two-week trip to three different locations for six people uh, the day after Christmas so that we could spend our Christmas Eve and our Christmas Day packing for six people to go to three different places where the temperatures will range from zero to 85 degrees. So there is no visible carpet in our upstairs right now as everyone has their packs for what's going to be here and what's going to be here. And that's our Christmas Eve. And for some of you, that's your Christmas Eve as you're getting everything ready and the turkey won't fit in the oven and something goes wrong and we're scrambling to get everything ready. And then after all that, we're gathered here. We sit for a while. We stand for a while. We sit for a while longer, and then we sing peacefully, silent night together. So it's not just a moment of heavenly peace, it's, it's finally a moment of heavenly peace after all the chaos. And it was a lot like that this very first Christmas for Mary and Joseph as well. I think it's one reason we can appreciate it so much. Their life had become rather hectic and chaotic as well. There was a census which means that everybody had to go back to their hometown. So more people than are traveling right now were traveling. Uh, If you just imagined the traffic jam, imagine I-65 if everybody had to go home for Christmas. There was no room on the road. There was no room in the inn. There was no room anywhere because everybody was moving about. And in the midst of all this, Mary is having a baby, perhaps like the most anxiety-inducing story in all of Scripture, having a baby on the road, and there is nowhere to set him, and so she lays him in a manger. And then the baby fell asleep, and there's that moment of not just heavenly peace, uh, the baby is asleep, but if you've ever been there for a childbirth, you know it's finally a moment of heavenly peace. After all of that adventure, the baby's laying down and the baby is asleep. Well, I'll tell you that because Mary and Joseph's hectic, chaos-filled life at that point can teach us something about our hectic and chaos-filled lives as well. Maybe even your hectic Christmas 
uh, can connect quite a bit with what's going on for Mary and Joseph. Let's read together the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. We'll read the story and then I'll tell a little about it and we'll see what we can learn from the chaos surrounding the first Christmas. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The words of the Lord. Through that story, our Lord calls us to trust him in the chaos of our lives by reminding us that he is using every detail of our lives to keep his promises and bless his people forever. Now, there are a few things that Luke is doing here. He is pointing out the, you might say, irony or just how unexpected it is that the king of kings would come and be laid in a manger of all places, that the heir of David is born in the city of David, and you would think there would be a place for the heir of David when he's born in the city of David. They'd be waiting on him, but there was no place for him, not even in the inn, not even in the place that receives everybody. There was nowhere for him. Uh, That's a prefiguring of what Jesus is going to say later. Uh, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Or it's a storytelling way of saying what John says outright at the beginning of his gospel. He came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. And that point we'll pick up on tomorrow morning because that's a point that started there and will be completed in the story of the shepherd and the angels. So we'll leave that one there. Uh, What we notice here is that the Lord is finally fulfilling the great promise he had made to bless his people forever through this son who was born, through this Jesus. The heir of David has come. He will rule us forever, just as promised it has happened. And it's happened in a very hectic and chaotic moment when a world leader turned the whole world sideways. And so... What do we make of that? That's the moment when the Lord chooses to come. Well, what he is doing, to be clear, Jesus is coming to save anyone who will receive him. Uh, To anyone who's willing to receive this Jesus, anyone who will embrace him as their greatest treasure, trust him as Lord, receive him as Savior, they find in him, we find in him, forgiveness for all of our sins a guarantee of resurrection on the last day and eternal life with him. We find life and flourishing under his lordship. We find sweetness of communion with him. We find God made man and he is ours and we will see him one day. He is all of these things for anyone who will receive him. And in this way, his coming to earth, living, dying on a cross, rising from the dead and then ascending to heaven, blesses all of God's people blesses everyone who receives him. 
And you can even become one of his people this very night by receiving him, just looking to him as all of those things and simply trusting in him, receiving him. Now, for those of us that do, we find ourselves God's people, and we look and we just wonder at God blessing us forever and keeping his promises to us forever in such a crazy situation where I can imagine Joseph probably tried to venture out to find food for them in a market that was filled with people and picked clean and looking like the Walmart was looking just before that storm hit where there's nothing there. Uh, In a moment where I can just picture if she had a donkey, Mary at eight months pregnant trying to get on a donkey and then having to stop on the road to find a bathroom again because that's how it goes, right? And just all the chaos and difficulty of their lives, this is how the Lord would arrange things when he keeps his promises and as he blesses people forever. Why is that? Well, a Jewish reader that had paid attention in synagogue class and really knew their Old Testament would notice two things. Uh, The first one was Micah 5.2. This baby was born in Bethlehem. That would call to mind an old prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you're you're by no means even numbered among the clan of Judah. You're too small, but from you will come a great and mighty ruler. Even the son of David was going to come from Bethlehem. So, All of this was leading to the Messiah being born right where he said he was going to be born. So God was keeping his promises through all of this. So the emperor ordering the census led to the promises of God being kept. Was that just coincidence? Did the Lord just see it ahead of time and predict it? Well, no, the Proverbs tell us something even more. Proverbs 21.2 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. So the emperor didn't just happen to order the census and send Joseph back to his hometown so the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The Lord moved the heart of the emperor. That means that All of the frantic nature of that moment, everything that happened as a result of that census, was ordered by God to bring about his promises and bless his people forever. They probably couldn't add all that up in the moment. Mary probably couldn't add all that up while she washed her baby off and wrapped him and found nowhere to lay him, so she put him in a manger. But the Lord was ordering it all as part of his plan to keep his promises and bless his people forever. So we take from that one point for our lives when it comes to the chaos in our lives and in our Christmas. And when it comes to the chaos of the world around us, we say that God is ordering even the decisions of world leaders and even our most hectic moments to keep his promises and bless his people forever. We can divide that even into two ways it would apply. The chaos in the world around us and the chaos in our lives. God sits over it all, in control of it all, leading to an end that blesses his people forever. So let's divide that into first the decisions of world leaders and then our most hectic moments in our lives. 
What the emperor here is doing, what Caesar here is doing, falls into a pattern that happens in the Old Testament many times, and that is that a great unquestioned world leader makes a decision that comes from his own heart, and yet the Lord was also ordering it as part of his plan to bless his people. You might think of the, the Pharaoh in Genesis who hears Joseph's interpretation of the dreams and puts Joseph in charge in Egypt. He does that because he wants to. He considers it a wise thing to do, but it leads to the people of God finding safe refuge in the place of Egypt during a famine. Or you might think of 400 years later when another Pharaoh is in charge and the Israelite people have been enslaved and the Lord raises up a new Pharaoh. The Lord raises up then Moses to tell him, let my people go that they may serve me. And Pharaoh says, no, I won't do it. And the Lord tells him, I have raised you up so that I can show my glory through you. I have even hardened your heart so that I can show my glory through you. Pharaoh's doing what he wants to do, and yet the Lord is ordering it as part of his plan to bless his people forever. Years later, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, would come through. He would conquer Jerusalem. He would take all of the people of Israel away to Babylon. He would do it because he wanted to do it. He wanted to conquer the world. And yet, the Lord was ordering it as part of his plan to call his people back to him. And 70 years later, when Persia had taken over the world and King Cyrus stands up and said, you know what I want to do? I want to send the Israelite people to their homeland. I want to let them go home. He was doing what he wanted to do, but the Lord was also ordering it to bless his people forever. Now, Caesar orders a census because he wants to. And the Lord also is ordering it to bless his people forever. The book will go on to show that this is still the case even today. World leaders are doing exactly what they want to do, many of them following after the lusts of their heart. And yet, the Lord sits over it all, bringing it all to an end in which he will bless his people forever. This is all telling us what Romans 8.28 says plainly. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That means that whatever Vladimir Putin is scheming right now, which I think is madness but makes sense to him, the Lord will use it and even sits over it from above to bless his people forever. And that means that whoever occupies the White House next, the Lord will use his or her every decision to lead toward an end where his people are blessed and his promises are kept forever. It means that whatever just happened with the New Marriage Act that we're all kind of having trouble making sense of, the Lord will use it to keep his promises and bless his people forever. And what that should do is free us from any sense of political fear. We do not have to be afraid, no matter who is in charge in our country or in other countries. I probably don't have to tell you that the main thing in the political climate right now is fear, isn't it? You turn on a cable news channel, or in my case, I don't have cable, but when I go to the bank and there's cable news on in the bank, 
The headline is basically some version of, you will not believe what just happened. You have to watch all day, right? Whatever's going on. It's like it's the worst thing that's ever happened, and we all need to be afraid, so we all need to keep watching. Uh, Whatever the campaigns are going to be for the next election, it's going to be fear-based, right? If the other guy wins, it's going to be terrible. That's the motivation they're going to give you to vote. But if we as Christians can look at that and say, well, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, I'll just pray if the other guy wins, right? Then we can be free of fear. Then we can be free of manipulation when many media factors would like to manipulate us into doing what they want because they want us to be afraid. So we can look at a story like this and say, if God can use a census ordered by Caesar to bring his son into the world in the right place and save me forever. God can use whatever the next person in the White House does. God can use whatever President Biden does right now in every unpredictable world event. It may feel like chaos to us, but it is never out of control to the Lord. So Christian, don't be afraid no matter what goes on in politics. Let's flip to the other side. That's the chaos in the world around us. What about when that chaos hits our lives, right? Mary and Joseph's lives were turned sideways by the census. And yet, the Lord was using it to bring about his plan to save all of us. And the truth is, his plan to make for himself a people of every tribe and every tongue and every nation, his plan to return at just the right time, it probably involves turning aspects of your life sideways as well, if your life is anything like mine, right? Things will not go according to plan. Sometimes you will be staring at a pile of socks that belong to your three-year-old, wondering how none of them match. It really does happen. But if we can remember even this very story... We can remember that the Lord has the right to turn our lives sideways just as much as he had the right to turn Mary and Joseph's lives sideways. If he can use the chaos in their life, in their lives, to bless us forever, he can use the chaos in your life to bless us forever as well. That means something when you try to go to a restaurant or you try to go really just about anywhere, the grocery store, and it just feels like the economy is still broken from COVID. You can't get a table because there aren't enough servers and there aren't enough cooks, right? There aren't enough potatoes. I was at Kroger the other day. They were out of potatoes. Potatoes. How do you run out of potatoes? They're out of potatoes, right? Things are just broken, and that's the way that it's gone, right? But the Lord can turn our lives sideways when he wants to. And when he does, it is part of his plan to bless his people forever. That means we don't have to worry. That means we don't have to be afraid. Because the big things are taken care of and will be taken care of in the end. This matters when your kids or your dogs or both of them work together to turn your life sideways, as happens right? Sometimes you've got a puddle on the floor over here and one dropping popcorn over here, and if the two meet, it is going to be trouble, right? And it matters when our lives get a little chaotic to know that the Lord is orchestrating all things for the good of his people to bless us forever. It feels chaotic, but it's never out of control. 
And as you leave here today and tomorrow morning probably gets a little more chaotic than you would like, and the day after that gets a little more chaotic than you would like, the Lord is using even the chaos in your own life to bless you and his people forever. This is a call then to deepen your trust in him. Things go sideways, we look to him and we say, God, we trust you. We'll walk through it just like Mary and Joseph did.